Welcome back to another episode of 5 a.m. Theology. You know, Rose, we were reading this week in Jeremiah, and I was struck by the surety of the promise of God that he gives his people in Jeremiah 33. I got to say to anybody listening, if you ever find yourself losing faith, put yourself in the place of the people of Judah at this point and think about this promise. Jeremiah has just told King Zedekiah that Jerusalem is going to fall, not just fall. This is, these are the words he uses to describe what it's going to be like. It will be a waste without man or beast. And he says even more than that. Babylon's knocking on their door and the people are told that soon King Zedekiah is going to be dethroned and the people are going to be exiled. Now, that is a losing faith type of moment. They had to be thinking, how is someone from King David's line going to sit on the throne ever again at this point? But God has more to say through Jeremiah than just that. He does. God gives the faithful Judaites a promise. He promises to bring them back to the land and bless them. And he assures them that a righteous branch from David's lineage will indeed spring up. But he doesn't just say, I promise. He assures them with these words, and I'll read Jeremiah 33, 21 to 22. It says, thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant may be broken so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne and my covenant with the Levitical priests, my ministers. And that surety is echoed in verses 25 to 26. And this is what those two verses said. Thus says the Lord, if I have not established my covenant with day and night and the fixed order of heaven and earth, then I will reject the offspring of Jacob and David, my servant, and will not choose one of his offspring to rule over the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will restore the fortune and will have mercy on them. Now, Rose, what you read and what I just read, this is God basically being facetious here. If I have not established my covenant, right. well, we know that he has. Right. Absolutely. And going back to the Ezekiel passage we looked at last week, nobody can thwart God's plans. They're sure they're going ahead. It might seem odd that God used day and night to give them sure footing to stand on, but Chris, it makes sense if you think about it. God said in Genesis, was it 1-3, let there be light. And there was light. He set the sun and the moon and the heavens, and he separated day and night. And they were to be signs for seasons, days, and years, according to Genesis 1-14. He promised Noah in Genesis 8-22, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Amos 5.8 says that the Lord changes deep darkness into morning and darkens day into night. And the psalmist who wrote Psalm 74 says, yours, O God, is the day, yours also the night. You have established the heavenly lights and the sun. So every day since the beginning of times, since the beginning of the world, people have had a daytime and a nighttime. So clearly you see that God has kept his word every single day so far since the creation of the world. Absolutely. 
it would have been a daily reminder that it was a sure promise every morning when they got up, every time the sun set, just like all of God's promises are sure promises. And like you said, Rose, nobody can thwart God's plans and Satan himself cannot thwart God's plans. And I got to say, when I read the four verses that you read two of and I read two of, my mind went down a bunny trail and I'm sorry to digress for a moment, but this is where it went. When he talks about if you can break my covenant with day and night, well, we know Satan tries to counterfeit God any way he can. What came to my mind immediately was all this buzz surrounding the idea of blocking the sun in order to combat global warming. And this talk is getting big time news now. And they want to do it by like releasing sulfur into the atmosphere or making the clouds reflect the sun back all in an attempt to cool the earth. And Rose, if it happens, those things could totally change the earth. I mean, if you think about that for a minute, that could give certain people or certain countries the power over where food grows, where it doesn't grow, and it probably could affect the rainfall. And I just had to think back to Exodus, the next to last plague, the words in Revelation. Exactly. If they accomplish it, they're only accomplishing it because that's God's plan, because there is going to be darkness again. If you look at Revelation and you're right in Exodus, there was darkness before. Yeah, it's going to affect a lot of things. And I thought, wow, like what a faith test that's going to be. Yeah. And if you haven't heard about this, it's solar geoengineering or solar radiation management. And no surprise here, George Soros, Bill Gates, and several others behind it. Talk about people who are trying to usher in Satan's counterfeit kingdom. They're at the front of the line. There's a lot of scientists that are against it because it's dangerous. And for all we know, it may happen. But like we said, if it does happen, that's all God's plan. It's not like God's going to be like, shoot, they blocked the sun. That just doesn't happen. It just means that he's using them to bring on his plan of causing darkness. And of course it might come to nothing, but it doesn't really matter because God is in control. And no matter what happens in our lives, we hold on to that hope because God is faithful. God never leaves his people without hope. And getting back to Jeremiah, at the end of the book of Jeremiah, when we get there in our reading, remember this, and you'll see that in the 37th year of exile, evil Merodach became king of Babylon. And he, and I'm quoting from the Bible here, graciously freed Jehoiakim, who was the king of Judah, and brought him out of prison. And he spoke kindly to him, and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. And that's Jeremiah 52, 31 and 32. So you'll get there shortly in your reading. Jehoiakim was a descendant of King David, and he still recognized, as it says in the Bible, as king of Judah, even though he's in Babylon, and he's doing well in the kingdom of Babylon. And that is just a thread of the promise It's a thread that was still there for those people to see and hang on to, to know about him being brought out of prison and treated kindly. And it just proves to me that we can never let ourselves lose faith. No matter how bad things seem, no matter how bad things get, don't lose faith. Absolutely. And of course, Jesus is the righteous branch of David that God promised. He's the ultimate king and nobody's getting him off the throne. 
He's ruling, he's reigning from his throne. Again, we looked at that last week in Ezekiel when Ezekiel saw Jesus on the throne and his plans are never thwarted. Again, he's in charge of everything. He's authority overall. He's all sovereign. To quote Charles Spurgeon, you can rest your head on the pillow of God's sovereignty every single night. Amen to that. And that's a good place to end today. Have a blessed morning, everybody. Thank you.